Hi, welcome to the Spiritually Minded Mom podcast, where every mom can find hope, joy, and God's hand in motherhood. You'll hear interviews with all kinds of moms who are learning how to navigate motherhood. Most of all, you'll learn that you have a partner in motherhood, a loving Heavenly Father who wants you to succeed and is always there to help you in your most important work as a mother. And now, here's your host, my mom, Dara Trendler. Welcome to the Spiritually Minded Mom podcast. This is Darla, and I am so excited for my guest today. Today, I'm interviewing Rachel Nilsson, and if you are in the podcast world, if you like listening to podcasts, you've probably heard of her. She's the host of 3 and 30, a podcast for moms, and she interviews guests on a variety of motherhood topics and also shares three doable takeaways every week, and I absolutely love her podcast. When I was starting out podcasting, I went into iTunes and was searching for similar podcasts in the genre that I was going to be doing, and Rachel's was one of the first that that pulled up, and I think I started listening about episode four of her podcast, and she is just so down to earth. She's relatable, and mostly because she knows both the joys and the sorrows of motherhood. She is married to Ryan, and they have two children, Noah, who's adopted, and Sally, who was conceived through IVF. And her story really illustrates beautifully the message of hope and joy in motherhood and trusting in God's timing. So welcome to the podcast, Rachel. Oh, thank you so much, Tharla. I'm so excited to be here and to get to talk about spiritual things, which are so important to me. And sometimes I don't get the chance to do that on my own show. So thank you for giving me that opportunity. Oh, well, you are so welcome. I feel so honored to be able to share your story and your journey. And it really is so amazing. And um, I'm just admire you so much for everything that you've gone through and for being where you are right now. So thank you so much. Thank you. Okay. So we are going to just dive right in because there's so many pieces of your story and I want to get to as much of it as we can. So first of all, let's talk about the disappointment that you and your husband face. So you got married, kind of tell us the story. You got married and you're probably, were you like most couples, you wanted to start having a family. And then what happened after that? Yeah. So I knew since I was a teenager that it might be a challenge for me to get pregnant, but the doctors had said it would be possible, but it just wasn't going to be totally straightforward. So, um, when we decided that we wanted to start that journey, I, we did get married young and I taught high school for several years and it wasn't at the front of my radar to start a family at that point. But then when we decided that we were ready, we just decided, we started, infertility treatments and adoption at the same time, because we knew we were going to need to do one or the other to get a baby. And we were just like, we want a baby and we don't care which method, like we'll let God decide. And, um, so we did both things for, you know, about two years before we got our son through adoption. And it was a long, hard (laughs) two years. That is for sure. As we through both of those things and tried to build our family. Okay. So you're, you're starting IVF and adoption and you were just saying, we're just going to leave this in God's hands and whatever's going to happen happens. Yeah. And it wasn't IVF yet at that point. They, they do, um, they do less invasive fertility treatments first, you know, before jumping to IVF. But yeah, I mean, I truly, it was not a, adoption was not a plan B for us. It was an equal plan A. Like it was we honestly don't care where like we believe that God will bring the baby that's meant for our family to our family. So why not just do them both at the same time? And looking back, that was 
extremely difficult to do at the same time. And I don't know if I would recommend that to people, but I was just naive. I didn't really know the heartache that would come with both paths. And I think that's good. Like I was naive in a good way that I was just so hopeful and just wanted to be a mother and was so sure that, you know, God would lead us that I'm like, let's just do it. And so we did. And it was, but it was not easy. Okay. Yeah, for sure. After reading your story, not easy at all. So, so what happened first? Were you able to get pregnant with the fertility treatments or was adoption the first thing that happened? So I got pregnant with the fertility treatments, but it was an ectopic pregnancy. So that was really, really emotional because I got the the yes, you're pregnant and we rejoiced and I bought baby clothes and everything. And then a few days later, they did follow up blood work and they could see that like the numbers weren't doubling normally. And they're like, oh, this may be a problem. Like we need to watch this. And so they just kind of watched it for a week or two. And so it's so much back and forth with like, is this going to happen? Isn't this, this not going to happen? And um, eventually it, the pregnancy was in my fallopian tube and it was not viable. And so I had to go through surgery and a bunch of different other things. And then after that, I never got pregnant again, even though we did about 10 more months of fertility treatments, I never did get pregnant again, but I did have that first experience where I felt that like unabandoned joy of finding out I was pregnant for the first time. And I never have had that sense because that was all shattered, but at least I had I had that one moment where I, <laughs> where I thought that I was pregnant and everything was going to be great and straightforward. And I'm grateful for that, even though things didn't quite go as planned after that. That's, that's a great way to look at it. So you have this first experience and then adoption, the possibility of adoption starts coming into the realm of possibility here. And so I'm sure that you probably, you know, did all the paperwork and all that, put your name in with an agency and then birth mothers start calling and coming to you. Tell me about that process. Yeah. So I think that that's something that a lot of people don't understand who haven't been through adoption. They think that you just like sign up to adopt and then within a few months you get a call and there's your baby, you know? Um, I mean, people will often say like, why don't you just adopt? And I'm like, just adopt. It's like, you know, Um, because there is generally a lot of almost like disappointments are kind of like false starts with adoption where you get contacted and you're being considered and you get excited and you start to dream about like, maybe this is, this is the baby, this is the birth mom, but then she chooses a different couple to parent or she chooses to parent, which is absolutely her right to make that choice. But you're just very, it's a very emotional road of, again, like I felt like I was reliving the ectopic pregnancy with like, yes, it is. It is going to happen. Oh, actually, no, it's not going to happen. And so much back and forth with, so we were contacted by eight different birth moms before my son's birth mom. Some were more serious, like we were further down the adoption path than others, but it almost felt like with each of those going through a miscarriage, you know, when you Mm you talk to them, you get invested, you get excited, and then it doesn't work out and you lose that dream for that particular baby. And then the, then you try again and you talk to another one. And in the meantime, I was also going through the fertility treatment. So it just felt like so much loss to be 
going through this physical loss month after month of like, this isn't working. And then also this emotional roller coaster talking to these women and really like loving them and, mm-hmm. and, and thinking about how we could spend the rest of our lives getting to know each other, you know, and then having that not work out. So it was, it was difficult. Yeah, that was one of the things that when I read about your story, what you wrote is how invested you got with some of these birth mothers. I mean, right down to the last minute and then they choose someone else. So yes. did you ever struggle with, you know, they didn't choose me. I I must not be worthy. Did you ever struggle with feelings of maybe I'm not good enough to be a mom or anything like that? I don't feel like I... I feel like I was able to keep the perspective that it wasn't me, that they were, mm-hmm. it, it wasn't about me and whether or not they liked me or I was worthy. I, I was able to keep the perspective of they made a different choice for their baby. Like a, a different family felt right or a different family lived closer to them and they wanted to have like a, a location wise closer open adoption different things like that. So I, I do feel like I was able to keep my head in a pretty good space that way. But what I did struggle with was on things of these contacts, I would feel like God was telling me, yes, move forward. And then when they wouldn't work out, I'm like, did I make that up that God told me to move forward? Do I not know how to feel the spirit? Like, why isn't he warning me and protecting me against some of these heartaches? And it just, it, it was a trying time. It wasn't really, I never doubted God's involvement, but I think I just, it was a growing time for my testimony to realize that just because God prompts you to continue with something does not mean that it's going to work out the way that you want it to. And that was a maturing of my testimony that I hadn't had to that point. When I'm looking at this, I can kind of see there's two pieces to this growth. Like there's what you're experiencing right in the moment and realizing, okay, God's in control and he's going to do this. But then there's also the piece of looking back and saying, wow, he really was in control. Like this is what I learned. So what what were you thinking in the moment that, that God was trying to teach you? And then what have you thought about those experiences later on as you've been able to look back and have hindsight? Yeah. Think what what was God trying to teach me? So obviously in the moment is so, so difficult. And actually there would be adopted parents who would tell me, they would say, don't worry, like you'll get the baby that's meant for your family. As if that would like make me less upset about what I was going through currently. And that it really didn't help that much. I mean, it was, it was a slight consolation, but I was in so much pain at that moment that I didn't want them to minimize that by saying, oh, it's fine that you just lost that relationship with that birth mother and that baby because your baby's coming along. I believed that, but I didn't, I didn't have that perspective yet. I, you, sometimes you just have to go through things in life. You can't, yeah. and you have to grow in experience in the moment. So the hardest disappointment for me was the very first contact that we had from a birth mom because I didn't know to guard my heart yet. And so it was actually, um, a two-year-old little girl and it was her, it wasn't her birth mom. Her birth mom had passed away and she'd been in custody with her great aunt for like a year. And so her great aunt reached out to us and said, ever since my 
niece passed away. I've known I wanted adoption for my, for my baby, for this baby. Um, but I haven't, like, I've looked at the profiles online for the past year and I've never felt like it was right. And she's like, and then your profile came up. And the minute I read it, I was like, this is why we haven't found her family yet because this is her family. Like that's, and so she felt so strongly that it was us. And I felt so strongly that it was us. And so the aunt and I really like got to know each other and talked on the phone. And she sent me pictures of this little girl. And so I could really visualize her joining our family and it was going to happen, you know, and that's, um, and I have never felt so strongly ever that I've never gotten such a clear answer to prayer to proceed with, um, to, with this plan and this adoption. Like it was a burning answer to prayer and I don't usually get answers like that. And so for me to feel so strongly, God telling me proceed, this is good. I mean, to me, what I thought he was saying was proceed, this is your daughter, you know? Um, and then so then what ended up happening was that um, we found out some information about the birth, about the birth mother that hadn't been disclosed to us, which was totally fine. And we still wanted to adopt this little girl. But when I, when I told the aunt that I had found out about what had, what had happened with the birth mother, she realized that she, this is complicated to explain, but basically she realized that that little girl was going to know her story, like in the era of the internet and everything, mm -hmm. that little girl was going to find out her story someday. And the only reason why they'd really considered adoption for her was because they wanted her to have a fresh start without having that story as part of her past, but they still wanted openness with her, open adoption. And, I, and so the aunt and I talked through it and I was like, look, if you're gonna have an open adoption with her, she is going to know this story someday. And I believe that you and I can work together to tell her this story in a way that's right and everything. But basically the aunt just realized that she, because she couldn't protect her from the story, that was the only reason they wanted to do adoption. And since they couldn't protect her from the story, they wanted to parent and keep her. So in the end, that's what they did. And so she ended up with her biological family being raised by her aunt or her great aunt, very loving, wonderful family. I'm sure she's having a wonderful life, but I was absolutely crushed and devastated because I'd, I'd written letters to this little girl. I'd, I mean, my whole heart was in this and I just felt so like, why did I feel so strongly that this was right if this wasn't going to work out? And I remember one specific night, like I, I was so angry about it that I just got in bed and, and said, like, I'm not praying tonight, God, like kind of like throwing my little tantrum. I'm like, mm -hmm. I, I apparently don't even know how to feel your answers anyway. So I'm not praying. Good night. I kind of call that my current Bush moment. Have you heard that story with? Yes. About with, cutting it back. And yes. So there's this yeah. parable with Hubie Brown where. Mm -hmm he was trimming a currant bush that was getting too tall and turning into a tree. And he was trimming it back to be a bush. 
And he like felt like he, in his mind, he heard this voice, a parable, obviously, of this current bush saying, why are you cutting me down? Like I was getting so big and tall and, and the voice said, I'm the gardener here and I know what I want you to be. And then later in his life, he had an experience where he was denied an opportunity and he was really angry at God. And was, he says, I shook my fists at heaven and I said, like, why are you doing this to me? And all of a sudden, my words came back into my mind, and God said, I'm the gardener here, and I know what I want you to be. And so I call that my, like my current bush moment because mm-hmm. I was so angry. I like was shaking my fist at heaven. Like, why would you do this to me? Did you get and an answer like that at that point? I feel like, I mean, nothing like that dramatic where like, I heard a voice tell me, right, you know? Right, right. But I just feel like, first of all, I, feel, I felt like God understood that, that, and that was, I feel like that is so important that he, it wasn't like he was mad at me for being mad or he wasn't like you ungrateful child. He was just so sad with me. Like, that's how he felt. Like he was like, I know this is so hard and you're mad right now. Was it like a feeling that you got? Was it through other people? Was it reading the scriptures? You know, how did you get that, that piece to know he's with me? He knows what's you know, he's aware of me. Yeah. Comfort me. I think all of the above. I think, mm-hmm. um, I mean that night, I think I just like cried myself to sleep. But then when I woke up in the morning, I remember I actually like took the day off work the next morning and my best friend came over and we talked and, um, I was with Ryan and I read my scriptures and I journaled and I just felt this like closeness to the spirit during that whole two years. I felt so close to the spirit, even though it was some of the hardest years of my life for sure. I just felt like Heavenly Father was right there, just like your biological father would be as a loving earthly yeah. father would be like, you are going through a really hard thing and I am right here with you. I can't like take it away, but I'm right here and I love you and anything that you feel is okay. You know, I really, yeah, I really felt that comfort from him. And then over time, I just felt like, he told me that, I mean, not never in words, but just, I put the pieces together and through promptings and different things that I, the reason why I had felt prompted to continue with that adoption was for that little girl's story. Like we were an important piece in her birth family, figuring out the best path for her story. And that he had never prompted me and said, move forward because this is your baby. Actually, what he prompted me was move forward. And that the reason why was because he was writing her story. And I had to have faith that he was also still writing my story. And, and so I feel like there's so many parallels with that. And I've shared that experience with friends who've had similar things where like they felt really strongly to pursue a job that didn't end up working out or a move or different things. And they're like, well, why did I feel so good about that if it didn't end up working out? Mm-hmm. And I've shared this story and said, you know, I think sometimes we're part of other people's stories and that's why we're asked to proceed in a certain way. And we, in my case, I could actually see the reason why with that little girl's story. But in a lot of cases, we may never know right. the piece that we played, but we, we didn't misread that prompting. It was God leading us along, but it was just for a different reason than what we may have thought originally. I totally agree. And I've, I've learned that lesson myself kind of in a different way, but definitely in a different way. But same concept is that lots of times we're prompted to do something and that is the what. 
that is what God is telling us to do. And so we just do it. But the why, he does mm-hmm. not always tell us the why. And, you know, in your case, you can look back and you can see the why. You know, you can see that it was for this little girl's story. In someone else's case, you may go your whole life and never know yes. the why. But the important part of that story is the what and that you follow the what that yes. God is giving you. And that is where the growth comes and where you can be several years out from this and look back and say, oh, I can see what I learned and I can see I can see why why God did that. Yes, absolutely. And and you know, you may not always have that, but you can have faith and confidence that if you do the what, the why doesn't matter. It's it's in the God's hands. Turn it over to him, let him worry about it, and it it will be okay. I think that's that's just the the way that I have looked at that in my life and seen it in my life and and I th- I think it's true. That's just what he wants us to worry about. Yeah, and I think that I love that you kind of defined that the what and the why, because I think often we lump them together mm-hmm. and we think the what we, we decide what the why is based on the what. Right. And then we're mad at God when it doesn't work out quite like what we wanted. When really, if we can separate that and say, no, I, I did my part. I followed the what he never told me what the why was. And I need to trust that he has that under control, but just yeah. even having that terminology that you just gave to separate that and think yeah. about just focus on the what and let him take care of the why. Yeah. And I think, I think that applies in any situation. Anyone could take that in their life and use it and know that, and it, and it's so hopeful because we know that he's still there. Yes. Right. Yes, definitely. Okay. So let's, let's shift gears here and talk about Noah because Noah was your son after this two year and eight, you know, eight failed adoptions and all this thing you finally get Noah. So when Noah's birth mom contacted us, I, by that point, was much more able to say, I feel so great that this is going to work out, but it might not. I'm sure you were so guarded. <laughs> like, okay, yeah. And, and also like in a very peaceful, like I can see that I had matured a lot spiritually mm-hmm. and emotionally. And so, um, yeah, one story that had meant a lot to me throughout that time was the story in First Nephi of um, when Nephi was, when they were commanded to go back and get the plates and how many times they had to try. It wasn't like just because God commanded it that he made it easy or he cleared oh, a path for them. And because sometimes I think with my adoption, I thought, well, I feel so called and prompted to be a mother. Why isn't this working out? And it's like, just because God calls you to do something doesn't mean that the first try it's going to work or the second or third, you may have to get really creative like Nephi did and come up with a bunch of different ways that you're going to approach this and try to make it happen with God's help. That was really, that story was a blessing to me during that time of just, it still means that I'm meant to be a mother, even if it's taking a little longer and it's not working out on the first, second, third, fourth, fifth try, you yeah. know? Yeah. Um, so, in, so when we got, no, when we were contacted by Noah's birth mom and she was like 13 or 14 weeks pregnant, I was hesitant to pull our application and stop fertility treatments because I knew this wasn't a sure thing. But at the same time, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't keep doing it all anymore. It was just too much emotionally, physically. And so I, we did, we did stop doing anything else. We, 
we just decided that we were going to invest fully in this relationship with her. And if it didn't work out, then we would start again. And that was scary because because mm-hmm. she still had six months or whatever until he was born. But um, we we formed a really, really close relationship with her throughout that whole pregnancy. And I was actually able to be there when he was born, which was the most, the most sacred experience of my whole life, for sure, to see her suffer like that and bring him into the world and then give this selfless gift to me and my husband. I mean, it's the most Christ-like thing I've ever witnessed and been a part of. And so then we got our, our miracle baby and everything, you know, worked out and I couldn't believe it. Like it went through, he was ours and we got him home and then he was super colicky and I was thrown into new motherhood with coupled with, I think a lot of like adoption guilt, just feeling bad that I wasn't loving every minute of it because of what she had sacrificed and what I had watched her sacrifice and been there for that experience. And then to bring him home and have him seemingly not be settling in very well. And I wasn't settling in very well. And I just worried, like, do I owe it to her to love every minute of this? And is his colic because he's not bonding to me? And, you know, I had family and friends tell me, all you know, babies are colicky. Like, even if they're biologically your baby, like a baby can have colic. But I, I think I really took it personally and worried that it was because of the adoption and that maybe somehow I wasn't enough for him. And so I do think that there is, there is something called like post-adoption depression that's like similar to postpartum depression. Right. And I, I didn't realize that I had it, but looking back, I definitely think that I had that. Just so many emotions on top of being a new mother with this hard baby. So you you've been through this roller coaster of fertility, infertility treatments and adoption and then you now you have this baby in your arms and you're wondering am I enough for him? How yes. did you how did you reconcile that? How did you get through that? So it was really really difficult and um there was I had just a family blog at the time where I had kind of chronicled our whole journey to get him and everything and and an anonymous commenter left a comment on one of my posts and said that the reason Noah was colicky was because I'd stolen him from his real mother. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that is terrible. I know. I know. And it just like sliced me to the heart mm. because of where I was at. Now looking back, I'm like, I think I'd be like, obviously that is not true. And if you, if you followed our story, you would see that this was an extremely loving, ethical placement of this baby. It wasn't because there there are some things with adoption sometimes, especially in previous decades, where there's some things that mm-hmm. make you uncomfortable. Like, did did that teenage girl really understand what she was doing? But that was not the case no, at all. No, not at all. Our story, and his birth mom was still very much involved with us and with our life. But still, like that, just kind of fed that that fear for me again, just like a time of like deep prayer and reading scriptures. And I was actually in the temple for like a ward temple night. And so before we did temple work, they had like a little meeting in the chapel where 
the temple president talked to us, you know, for a few minutes. And I don't, I don't even remember what he was speaking about. All I remember is that in his, in his little speech, at some point he said, whom the Lord calls, he qualifies. That just hit my heart. It was a direct answer. I felt like from Heavenly Father to me about like, I've called you to be Noah's mother. Like this wasn't, this wasn't all for an accident. I think it's very obvious to you now, Rachel, that this wasn't an accident. You were meant to be in Katie's life, his birth mom. You were meant to be in Noah's life. You're his mother. And I called you and I will qualify you. Like, you don't have to worry that you're not enough. Just pray and I will help you and I will qualify you. And I really do feel like that was a major turning point um, for me where I let go of some of that doubt and really leaned into the belief that I was Noah's mother. And, and that doesn't, that doesn't mean that his birth mother isn't his mother as well. Like in adoption, they, they, some people say first mother instead of birth mother. And I love that because she was his first mother. She, she created him, brought him to earth and then made the ultimate loving choice for him that is what a mother does, you know, and she was his first mother and I'm his mother and there's no competition there. It's, we're both his mothers, you know? Right. And so I feel like just having that, um, that message from heavenly father that he called me and he would qualify me has been huge for me in the years since with different things that we've faced. I've just always come back to that belief that I'm called to be his mother and God's helping me do it. I love that. And, you know, it's a message that all moms need to know. We're qualified for the children that we have in our families, however yes. they came to us. Yes. They're, they're meant for us. And there's a reason that we are their mothers. Yes. God doesn't make a mistake about that. He put us together for a reason, however that happens. Mm-hmm. I totally believe that. Well, Rachel, this has been so great. I have loved talking to you and hearing a little bit more of the spiritual side of your journey and how God has helped you. But I would love to ask you one more question, and that is, how have you seen and felt God as your partner in motherhood? There's a scripture in Romans, I think it's Romans 8, where it says that all things work together for good for Mm -hmm. those who love God. And that is something that I really feel like played out in our adoption story, that God worked things together for good. Like with this, um, this teenage pregnancy that happened, with Noah's birth parents, with our loss and our infertility, like God doesn't make mistakes and he's going to take whatever kind of messes that we make in life or that mortality just gives us like a fallen body, you know, that Mm -hmm. has problems. And he's going to work things together for good for us if we love him and we're seeking to do what's right. And I've come back to that in my experience in motherhood that I don't always get it right. I don't always quote, like get it perfectly right with my kids or, you know, but like he's working things together for good for me and for my children. And I can trust in that and I can see how it's played out in my life, which gives me more courage going forward to believe that he'll continue to do that. And so that's how I know he's my partner in motherhood. I love that. It's such a great message that God can take our imperfections and he can make them something great and turn them into exactly what our children need. And we don't have to worry about trying to be everything. He will be there for us and make up for all of the things that we aren't. Yes, yeah, he will. That's great. Well, thank you so much, Rachel. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Darla. 
I know you have a million things to do, and I'm grateful you took the time to listen to today's podcast. I hope the episode helped you to know God is your partner in motherhood. For show notes, head over to spirituallymindedmom.com. For more motherhood inspiration, follow along on Instagram, at spirituallymindedmom. And if you enjoyed the podcast, share it with a friend. I would love it if you would leave a review and rate it on iTunes. This helps more moms to find hope, joy, and God's hand in motherhood. Have an amazing day, and remember, you are doing God's work, and you are doing it wonderfully well.